0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. It's Mark Bennett here. Did I play music? I think if I did, I played uh, Gary Clark Jr. That's right. I'm in the Gary Clark Jr. I'll, t- I'll tell you about that in a second. But uh, right now, I'm going to set the stage, okay? I'm recording. I had to drive the Prius recording studio out of the comfort Of my parking garage in my building because there's some friggin' guy, you know, just I don't know what he was doing. Detailing his whole car. He had like the spare tire was out. He had gloves on like weightlifting gloves. I don't I don't know what purpose they were serving, but he had those on and he was two cars away from me. So I just didn't feel I didn't feel comfortable. Guys, you know me, you know, I can't pee at a urinal if there's another man standing next to me at his urinal. I will go into the stall. I will. I'll go into the stall, and I'll close the door. I like some privacy. Plus, you know what? I'm going to say it, is I also, I like a little toilet paper for a little dab. Yeah, a little dab. I know people think men, they, they just, they just... You know, zip up and go. But I'll tell you what, you're going to get some dribbles. This is not exactly how I wanted to start the podcast. But I tell you, there's the power of stand-up comedy right there. Because the reason I am mentioning the dab at all is because there's a comedian here in Canada, Chris Locke. He has a much more popular podcast than myself. And uh, I was watching him on stage, and he had a whole bit about how he likes to use toilet paper and do a little dab. And uh, you know, just to make sure that his jam jams don't get any dribbles on them, and very funny stuff. And I went, you know what? I can relate to that. I thought it was just me. That's that was that's the whole thing of stand up comedy, in my opinion. You know, a lot of people say, you know, when you make statements or or you know, you have uh, political views or you you know you, the way you look at the world. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, you're just talking to like minded people. You're just saying. What uh, they already think. But that's not necessarily true. Sometimes, you know, what you want to do is just say your thing. And then other people think, oh, I thought that. But I didn't realize other people thought that. And now we're all free to say that out loud. You know? That's what stand-up is to me. But anyway, I'm not so sure that this is going to be any better out here. I'm, I'm in the uh, parking lot outside of my building. And now there are kids. And parents and dogs, because it's, you know, it's where people take their dogs to go take a dump. So now I have uh, those people looking at me as opposed to the one guy with the weightlifting gloves. But I got to say, you know, it's just too weird. It's just too weird to have, you know, Johnny no-finger gloves just poking around at his Jeep, looking into the car with me with the headphones on and the microphone. Ah, we're not doing that. But, guys, back to Gary Clark Jr., my baby boy has gotten me into Gary Clark Jr. And I mean that. It's just, so I let him watch some blues. As long-time listeners of the podcast know, the baby's a big fan of the blues. So he's watching some Stevie Ray Vaughan. And then YouTube, they do their little suggestions. And because they're owned by Google, and Google knows everything about every aspect of my life, they're like, we have a suggestion for you. It's Gary Clark Jr. We're going to play him next. And they were fucking right. As usual, Google, you have peered into my soul and stolen a piece of it. But uh, I owe you one. Because I tell you, like this guy, they're saying he's the uh, the successor to guys like Jimi Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan. And he's not really like any of them. I think it's just because he's so fucking good that people say those things. He doesn't sound like either of them. Uh, but he um, he's, he says... He says that he was influenced by both of them. But who the fuck isn't? You're a blues guitar player, and you're not going to be influenced by Jimi Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan? What are you? What are you, crazy? So um, when they did the YouTube, did the suggestion, and they started playing his stuff, like I start nodding my head. and I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good. And I look over, and my now 19-month-old baby, he, a toddler, as my wife keeps calling him, I still think he's a baby. He's got little fat legs, little fat legs and fat arms. He, to me, he looks like a a toddler, like a like a little boy when he's all dressed up. My wife will put on a dress shirt on him and some pants, and uh, and he always wears this hat. It looks like this Cuban hat. He will not take it off. The kid has style, so he um he looks like a little boy. But then when you get him up from uh, his nap and you're changing his PJs, you know, and he's. You see his fat little legs and his fat arms. You go, oh, you're just a baby. You're a little fat baby. That's what I say to him all the time. It's going to give him a complex. But anyway, my little fat baby, I look over, and he's just nodding his head as well. But he's in front of me. He can't see me. He's not, like, doing what Dad does. You know, he In, in fact, Dad is doing what he's doing. So I'm watching this kid grooving out, and I'm like, this, this, he likes Gary Clark Jr., and I don't blame him. So we watched a whole Gary Clark Jr. concert, and then we watched another one, and another one. Not in the same day. I'm not crazy. I don't just sit the kid down in front of the TV. You know, you make him some craft dinner, and just leave it. There's craft dinner on the stove. You watch your TV now, little baby. You fat little baby. You watch your TV. It sounds a bit like uh, if Clinton, if if uh, Bill Clinton was a. Uh, a shitty dad you watch our tv now speaking of presidents and gary clark jr oh my god guys can you hear that i've taken notes can you feel it because i i wrote this shit down my wife encouraged me she was like what are you gonna talk about today on the podcast i'm like ah you know don't have a fucking clue because i never do And uh, she was like, well, you did some stuff this week. And I I started naming some stuff. She was like, yeah, so maybe talk about that stuff. And uh, I started to forget it as soon as I was telling her the list. And then she said, you should write that down. So I did. We're on to note number two. Note number one with Gary Clark Jr. All right. Note number two is presidential inauguration concert. And uh, I will say this. The pace I'm getting through these notes, this is going to be one short fucking podcast. I'll fill it in. I'll fill it in with my garbage. Um, speaking of that, my garbage. I'll get back to the presidential thing in a sec. But I want to get this in early in the podcast in case people tune out because they're bored. You know, or, or maybe something happens. You know, who, who would get bored with this? But, like, maybe there's an emergency. You know, you're a surgeon. You're on call. You're like, ah, I only have five minutes. You know, waiting for the anesthetic to kick in. I can listen to Mark for five minutes. Then I got to do that brain surgery. I will be in Kingston um, performing live. Live blues. Oh, I wish. Oh, I wish. I'm going to get into the blues, I tell you what. When I'm older, like I'm into the blues, but I mean, I'm going to start playing it. Yeah, that's right. Switching careers, but that, not till I'm old, you know. And I'll wear hats like my baby boy wears. Oh, man, it's going to be awesome. Gary Clark Jr. wears hats. So cool is that guy. Married to an Australian supermodel, actually. So obviously, obviously, he's doing all right with the ladies. He look, He's probably as smooth in real life as he is on stage. And you know, the ladies love the smoothness. All right. See, I'm easily going to fill this in. Those are like eight tangents I just went on. While I was trying to say, I'll be in Kingston. Kingston, Ontario, not Kingston, Jamaica. Kingston, Ontario. And uh, I don't know how my comedy would fly in Kingston, Jamaica. Maybe I would just adapt it a little bit. Use a few amans, you know? A few irie, irie mon. And people would be like, yeah, this guy gets it. I, uh, I did go to Kingston. Uh, I did go to Jamaica on vacation. I did not go to Kingston, Ontario on vacation. Not really a hot spot for vacations, but a lovely city. I will be in Kingston, Ontario at the Absolute Comedy over on Princess Street. I'm not exactly sure the address on Princess Street, but it's a long street. Absolute Comedy is there. If you're in the Kingston area and you feel like laughing until you piss your pants, my God, come check me out. Oh, the promises I'm making. Be in Kingston from uh, Wednesday to Saturday. Drive straight home Saturday night because I already miss my family and I haven't left yet. I tell you, it's going to get harder, I think, you know. Until the kid is like 14 or 15, maybe. Because when they're that old, you're probably they're probably like shitheads, right? So you can't wait to leave the house. But at that point, I'm like a 53-year-old comic. Will I even be doing it? Or will I be in the blues bar? Playing a 12-bar blues with the five-note pentatonic scale of the solos. That's the thing I'm going to do. I'm going to look up how to actually play the blues. Because I, I, I can play guitar a little bit. But it's just, you know, songs you've learned and shit like that. But, I mean, know the fucking, uh, the scales. You know, know when someone's playing 12-bar in E-flat, here's the shit I'm going to play. You know, here's how I can back up that guy when he plays the lead. etc., cetera, et cetera. And that way I can jam it out. You know? With guys like Ed Wills. And Blues for Sale, who I saw in New Orleans. Talked about him last podcast. Love the blues. So Kingston, Ontario. Um, Please come out and see me. But yeah, leaving the family, I tell you. I was listening to Bill Burr's podcast. And uh, if you listen to this podcast, you you may listen to Bill Burr's podcast. Because they're similar in nature in that it is one person, one stand-up comedian ranting into a microphone for a while, and then with no guests. And uh, also, we're both, I mean, fucking hilarious. Like, hilarious. And there are a lot of actual similarities. Uh, we're we're stand-up comedians, and uh, we, we both have uh, new babies. His kid is, I think, 14 months old. Mine is now 19. And uh, a lot of the things he's saying, they... They resonate with me for so many reasons. And one of them is saying, he's it, it, now that his daughter is aware of his, when he leaves, it breaks his heart. So he's just wondering, you know, how much worse it's going to get. And that's the thing, man. You got to go do this for a living. And uh, that means some travel. But as you guys know, on the goddamn podcast I've been talking about, trying to solve that that problem by... Turn getting people to come to me, you know. Like I don't get me wrong. If there's a nice organized tour, you know, it's a short one. I'll go do it. People over and they're in Norway. They're like, "Oh, Mark, please come to Norway, come to Sweden." I w- yeah, I will go do those things. But when I'm, I would like a home base, and it's going to be Toronto, I guess, because I'm not fucking, I'm not going to New York or L.A. by by the looks of it at this point. So because you know. My life is here now. And Toronto's a big fucking city. All right? We can do this type of shit. We can have good things happening. All right, I'm totally off track now. God damn it, the notes. Help me, notes. Why? Why can't I stay on topic? I'll tell you why, guys. Because I'm fucking interesting. All right? I was about to insult myself, but I'm doing a new thing where I don't... I don't totally cut myself down all the time. You know, maybe I, I'm just interesting, so my brain thinks about a lot of things. How about that? I'm not so sure if that's the case. Uh, but the thing everyone jumps, oh, the ADD, the ADHD, not a thing. That's also my stance on that. That's not a thing. I do think that some cases do exist of the ADHD, but... Uh, it's not what people think it is. That's all I'm going to say about that. We're not getting into that shit. We're not going to promote that negativity and the pharmaceutical co- Oh, guys, the pharmaceutical companies. No, sir. So the president, the presidential inauguration of 1989 to get back to that goddamn notes. George Herbert Bush George H. Bush. That's that's the one, right? The first one, George Bush Sr. The guy who, uh, not gonna die, thousand points of light, Dana Carvey. Remember Dana Carvey used to do the fucking George Bush? Uh, I used to do that. At, it was one of my first forays into professional-type comedy, in my mind, was that I used to do impressions of Dana Carvey's impressions at parties and things like that. And people will be like, oh my God, That's, like, really good. Uh, What I just did is probably not that good. I I haven't been keeping up with my George Bush Sr. impression. Sue me. But I also would do Ross Perot at the time. Can you let me finish? Let me finish? That was also Dana Carvey, of course. I did all his Hans and Franz and his Garth. So many, so many of his impressions I ripped off. But, hey, guys, I was 14 years old, you know? I was probably a shithead. That my parents wanted to leave and go on stand-up comedy tours, but so George Bush Senior, he put together uh, a uh, a blues concert for his 1989 inauguration, which baffled everybody because he had legitimately awesome blues musicians. The concert was recently um, rediscovered. And remastered, and they basically released it the last couple of years, and it's this uh, blues treasure. And uh, they don't show George Bush or anyone or any political figures. They just show the actual concert, so it's fantastic. And um, look at this—he has okay, I, I got it written down here. He's got Bo Diddley, Willie Dixon, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, of course, Coco Taylor, uh. uh who was the Al- Albert Collins, the master of the Stratocaster, or no, the Telecaster, master of the Telecaster, Mister Albert Collins? Like these guys are fucking blues royalty, right? And then, uh, so so, who's the guy who did it? His name was Atwater. So. Buh, 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 buh. So this guy Atwater, who was he to George Bush? He was the campaign manager. All right, we're back. We're campaign manager. His name was Lee Atwater, and he was a giant fan of the blues, and he actually could play guitar, and he he had a blues band when he was younger. And um, so he organized this thing, but here's the weird part is this Lee Atwater, in case you're not old as shit, and I didn't even know this at the time, because I was too young to be able to follow the ins and outs of a presidential campaign, but uh, they were against uh, Michael Dukakis, all right? And George Bush, thanks to Lee Atwater, he ran this campaign that people said, they said, okay, Atwater, who died in 1991, actually, so friggin' uh, two years later, the guy was dead at 40, So that's kind of shitty. But he was remembered as a virtuoso of campaign warfare, whose tactics included using coded language and imagery to exploit the fears of white voters. And so the Bush's campaign's relentless use of Willie Horton, for example, a black man convicted of murder who escaped um, from prison in Massachusetts, so he, he was, like, using that all the time to, to stoke the fears of white people. That's what they said. He denies it, even denied it on his deathbed. He said he is not a racist, and uh, he didn't do anything wrong, but um, everybody else seems to think that is exactly what he did. And here's this um, University of Connecticut professor who said Atwater was an exemplary, uh, was exemplary of a nuance in Southern politics that people can be, both race baiters and still have intimate familiarity with black and shared southern cultures and those things are not at all contradictory so this guy seemingly loved black culture and the blues and that uh, was associated with it yet used race baiting to just win the fucking election for george bush it's just Oh, these goddamn politicians, man, and their campaign managers. Honest to God. So in 91, as he was dying of cancer, he apologized in Life magazine to Mr. Dukakis for what he called was, in quotes, the naked cruelty of the 1988 campaign. But he insisted that he was no racist. So, like, that's the thing about fucking sociopaths, man. And, uh, and maybe he wasn't a sociopath. Maybe he was just so honed in on winning that you win at all costs. You know, so he, here he is has a love, a love for the southern black folk and a love for, for the blues and, and all it is. And he loved soul music. And I'm sure if that's the case, he probably wasn't racist. But knowing how many racists there were, in the United States, leveraged that, used it to his advantage, gets a guy in, you know, and, and slanders uh, Michael Dukakis the whole time while it's happening. And then and then two years later, you're on your, your deathbed, and then you're like, Ew, Jesus Christ, I may have went a little too far there. You know, I uh, apologize for that naked cruelty. It's just, well, why did you have to be dying? To figure that out. That's what I fucking can't stand about people. You know, why does shit have to get so bad? You know? I tell you. It's like somebody said on Facebook uh, a while ago. I think I've talked about this story. That um, there was this right winger who uh, basically renounced the Republican Party because his son came out as gay and everybody told him yeah you know you got to disown your son obviously and uh, he was like no i'm i choose my the love of my son over uh, any party's allegiance and then he supports now he supports gay rights but on, up until that point he had voted against gay rights in every way and then somebody on facebook was saying hey it, do you all need it to happen to you specifically For you to actually have empathy for other people? You know, dude, does it have to happen to you? Do you have to be on your deathbed before you realize, fuck, I should be a civil human being? Christ almighty, guys. But the concert was great. Just a beauty of a concert. Apparently, uh, George Bush and the Atwater guy, they had a photo op where they were both like, playing guitar, pretending to be shredding on the old guitar. I'm glad none of that was in the concert. Because the thing is, I'm looking at it thinking, well, are some of my favorite blues musicians, were they all uh, supporting political figures that I wouldn't have supported? That seems, it sort of seems odd. You know, musicians are still artists, so they're generally fairly liberal-leaning, you know? Granted, a lot of these guys were from Texas, so I wasn't exactly sure, you know, is the Bushes were from Texas, and But it turns out most of them were uh, very uh, against George Bush. And they, in fact, the Atwater guy, they knew he used all these racial tactics to uh, get Bush in. So they didn't like him either. But they all admitted, and I give them fucking credit for this shit. They all admitted when one, one of the blues musicians said, when you're asked to go from the outhouse to the White House, that's a hard thing to turn down. You know, so like uh, Coco Taylor, her manager, he who actively like campaigned against uh, Bush and shit when he asked Coco, he's like, listen, they uh the people I hate and um, want nothing to do with want you to perform at the uh, presidential inauguration. And she was like, yeah, I'll do it because it's a big fucking deal. You're asked, you know. By the leader of the free world to do this concert with all these awesome people. And it's a it's a huge deal. And you know what? I'm glad they did it. I know a lot of people they talk about ah, oh, you gotta boycott, you know, people boycotting the White House with Trump in there, you know, they're trying to boycott when George Bush uh Junior was in there. But now, like, in retrospect, like it's all over, right? George Bush Sr. was in for four years. Some shit happened, some bad, some good, uh, depending on who you ask. But that concert, that's there, that's there now for history. You know, this if the, all these awesome musicians had refused it, then me and my little baby boy wouldn't be watching this beauty of a concert. So, I don't know, man. That's the thing. As you get older... You start to realize things matter a little less and less. You know, it's it's, and not that you should just give up and not care about politics or or just go, oh, it's all the same. But but you do have to remember that the unfortunate system uh, that is the capitalist system, it's going to produce people who are sponsored by a lot of big money and big money is going to have very similar decisions being made depending. It doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, they might say it in a different way, but, um, you know, they're not most, most people who become very powerful are not very nice people. That's all I'm saying. That's some. maybe they even got in it for the right reasons. But then when it, to succeed, man, to fucking succeed, you got to be like that Atwater guy. You got to be this cutthroat asshole who, when you're finally dying of cancer, go, ah, shit, maybe that wasn't the best life that I chose. But when you're in it, man, when you're sucked into it, and I get that, I'm 40 years old in a month, 40 years old, and I'm sucked into this comedy life. I can't get out. when I try to get out, they pull me back in. You know, to choose your path carefully, because I think I saw this on a Starbucks coffee cup, so that means it's fucking deep. Something about uh, be careful what you succeed at because the right amount of praise and success can trap you in a life you don't want. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing the Starbucks coffee cup. But it you get the gist, you know, which is why you got to choose your path carefully. But that being said, choose your fucking path. I was just talking about this to my wife as we're trying to put my fat little baby boy to bed. I was saying that because uh, my wife was pointing out that he might be smart. He might be smart. The jury is out. It's hard to tell, and I'll say this, knowing full well I am a first-time parent. I get it. Everyone thinks their kid is smart and special. Uh, my wife was talking to some um, kindergarten teacher or something like that, and uh, the teacher she said that every single parent comes up to her and says, uh, "So, just I just want you to know, my child is advanced. So, you know, bear that in mind." And every single one of them. Law of averages can't be. There's got to be some advanced, some in the middle, and some behind the curb. The curve, right? I used to think, I thought that was curb because I am not advanced when I was young. So um, everyone thinks their kid is advanced. But part of that is, I think, the criteria they use for uh, deciding whether or not like, basically, milestones. If you read a bunch of books about child development, they have all these milestones. So they say, say things like, at Sam's age, he should know how to say at least 20 words. Something like that. And Sam can say, like, 150 words. We lost count after, like, 100 words. So you're like, oh, my God, it's so advanced. But I think that the 20-word thing is the bare minimum. So probably almost all the kids have at least 20 words. So all these parents out there, they think their kid's a fucking genius when, in fact, he's just all right. But Sam has shown us a couple of things lately, a couple of things that a, a proud papa's got to tell you about. He uh, he can sing the alphabet, sort of, and um, he tries his best. A, B, C, D, he's got down. But he's also, he knows English and French, so sometimes he'll switch it to French and et cetera. So I, I sang him the first part of the alphabet uh, just about an hour ago, and then he picked up where I left off, but he continued in French. And my wife's like, holy shit! And I was like, yeah, he's a genius! Look at this kid! And then she was also, we were looking at a dog book, and um, it has all of the dogs. So, so there's like ten dogs. That you're, you're looking at page by page. And then the artist has drawn all the dogs on one page together as a group. Like a group photo of the previous pages. But two of the dogs are missing on the page. So he's only drawn eight of the ten dogs. So my boy points out that there are two dogs missing and he names them. Bad dog and good dog. Because that, that's the pages. I like bad dogs. I like good dogs etc and so he says bad dog good dog because they were missing and so my wife this came right after the alphabet thing so my wife is all like oh my god what are we gonna do we've got a genius and i said well we'll just well we'll do what everybody does we'll ruin him we'll make sure he doesn't (laughs) harness his intellectual ability no he's probably he's probably not a genius but he's probably not dull you know if he's doing things like that he's probably not a dullard a simpleton I can't say the word idiot uh, because apparently my wife just told me this. Uh, There's a bunch of words that they're saying now that you can no longer say. Like, remember, people used to say retarded all the time. And then people said, you can't say that. That's derogatory to a group of people. And uh, even if you weren't calling those people retarded, they just said, let's just get it out of the vernacular all together. And, you know, I'm all for that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's get rid of that. Even though I just said the word twice, you know. I'm not. I'm just you. I'm just telling you. So, there's other words now that have entered the retarded camp. Said it three times. And that is uh, lame, apparently, and idiot, and uh, I think there's another one, but I can't remember. Um, So, I don't know. To me, it seems like it's going a little far. Lame, I suppose. People who are legitimately lame, you know, uh, that they, they they're hobbled. I suppose they could, but lame means boring, right? I anyway. Okay. Hey, look, I, I'm the first to admit I might be I might be too old to understand some of this stuff. To me, they they don't sound that bad. But since oh well, maybe I'm acting like a fucking uh, right winger. One of the extreme right wingers who were like, "Unless it happens to me, unless I know someone specifically lame, then uh, I don't understand." Ah, but that's not true. My dad, huh? My dad has one leg. I'm pretty sure that qualifies as lame. Could it not? And I'm not offended by the term. I don't know. To me, it sounds different or idiot. You know that? I mean, let's let's not mince words. It's an insult. But sometimes people need to be insulted, right? You know, someone's like, hey, should I put uh, this dog in, in the dryer? No, you idiot. That's a terrible idea. That's an idiot thing to think. You, you treat your dog with respect. You love him. Never put a dog in a dryer. You know, you idiot. But I suppose... If it's causing damage to people psychologically, then I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll just, I'll have to do a little reading about it. Apparently there's a whole website about why these words affect people negatively. (laughs) The the idiots of the world are very offended. I, I don't know exactly how, I suppose maybe what they're saying is that if you call someone an idiot, they think to themselves, that's who they are. Oh, I guess I'm an idiot. So they continue the rest of their lives feeling lesser, feeling not smart. Maybe, you know, it becomes their identity. If you say it at people, if you say it to people who are too young, something like that. But I don't know. If a a 40 year old guy is walking down the street, you know, and he spits on my shoe, I'm going to be like, hey, idiot, watch where you're spitting. And I'm going to mean that. What kind of idiot spits on your shoe when you're walking past? I don't know. I'll do a little more reading. And his ABCs. So if he is smart, if he is, there there are problems that come with that too. You know? You know ignorance is bliss they say. So if you're smart, sometimes you're inviting some trouble. Like myself, all right. God knows. I'm not smart, but I thought I was because people told me I was, I, uh, I did well in school. I, you know, guys, I'm a comedian. I got a quick wit. All right. There's one thing. If there's one thing I can admit about myself, my wit, not slow. And that's it's just, that's his evidence. You know, I, I have a, I have a career, not a great one. So who knows my, my wit doesn't have to be world-class. But it's certainly not, I would say, below average. All right? So I have this likely above average wit. You hear my Canadian coming through? (laughs) I can't give myself a real compliment. So I have uh, a probably above average wit, uh, get good marks in school, did well, and uh, had loving parents. All right? I know. Big sob story. Oh, the poor guy. No, but because of all of this, I was often told things like You're special Especially by my mother, who never shut up about it. You're so special, Marky, you can do whatever you want to do. So handsome. She just would throw that in there. And she had she had nothing to back that up. You should see the pictures of me in high school. There is that is just love from a mother's eyes, right there. Cause this greasy haired, pizza faced, skinny little fella. Not not a GQ model at the time. I much prefer myself at 40 than me at 20. And I'm pretty sure most of the world would, too. Sure, I got a spare tire, but at least I don't have, like, crazy acne scars all over my head, you know? So, um, mother would always say, mother, (laughs) now I sound like a serial killer, mother? My mother would always say, uh, you can do whatever you want, Maggie. Whatever you want to do in life, because you're special. And so uh, when I told that to my wife, she said, so you chose lazy, which was funny, hurtful, hurtful, but funny. And maybe she's right. If I was thinking to myself, I can do whatever I want to do. Well, I choose to do nothing because uh, that's better. And honest to God, stand up comedy is about as close to nothing as as you can do, you know. I, I go to shows, I stand up, I tell poo jokes, and then I have beers, you know, and then I wake up at, well, I used to wake up at noon, but now I got a baby, so I wake up earlier. But, um, you know, even this, doing the podcast every week, I'm just sitting in my car talking into a microphone for a few minutes, and I put it up on the old internet. It's as close to nothing as you can do. So I think it was a mistake to tell me I can do whatever I want to do. I think what you want to do is tell your kid um, if you work hard and make good decisions you can do good things. Uh, Pick something and work hard at it and uh, you know go for it. But hone in on something. Like the The illusion of choice, I think, is probably better when it comes to this shit, because since I felt like I had real choice in life, there was too many options like that old uh, uh, Steven Pinker thing I've been telling you about on podcast past to recap, because that was a long time ago. I said that Steven Pinker is uh, some kind of fucking I don't know what he is. So sociologist, I don't know, he does TED Talks. All right talks about shit at, on, Te- on Ted. So you can go look up Steven Pinker on Ted, and he says that's the, um, the fallacy of choice, I think he calls it, where if you have too many options, you end up either picking nothing or the thing you pick, you're always dissatisfied with it. And um, the illusion of choice is a little bit better. If... Like he, he used the example of having an infinite, going into a store these days, you have so many pairs of jeans that when you try, no matter which one you buy, you feel like maybe you didn't get the best pair of jeans. Whereas if you had walk into the store and you have one pair of jeans, you feel bad because you have no choice. You're forced to just get this one pair of jeans. So the happy medium is if you have three or four pairs of jeans to choose from, and then you choose one of them and that's it. You pick the best of the three or four. I think that is honestly one of the secrets to Apple's success. Uh, Mr. Steve Jobs, my bet, was a big fan of the old Steven Pinker, or at least this particular um, uh, concept was... Because if you'll notice, Apple, they don't make a ton of products. They're like, hey, listen, you can choose one of two or three phones we have out right now. Like there's, If you're going with the Android, there's so many phones you can pick that it's a bit overwhelming. So Apple, they make these beautiful phones by most people's standards that work very well by most people's standards. And they, um, they don't, you don't have to make too many decisions. You just pick the black one or the silver one or the one with more gigs or less gigs. But like, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not this infinite amount of choice. And I think that's been really one of the things that's helped them. So I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I feel like telling my boy, you can do one of a couple of things. All right. You can be a blues musician like Gary Clark, Jr. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to force it upon him. But what I want him to have is more of his mother's mentality of, you know, actually working hard, getting something done. Like even even to this day. Right. I've been talking about Gary Clark, Jr., and I was watching this guy playing a concert, and honest to Christ, at the age of 40, you know, 15 years into a stand-up comedy career, I was thinking to myself, maybe if I wrote a, a blues song, maybe I could, uh, you know, get a career going that way. What the fuck? What are you thinking? And, and I was in—that that was one of my original careers. I was When I was in university, I was in a band with my friends, and we were going to be world-famous— for me, everything's got to be fucking, you know, 100% world-famous musicians. And I, when I, before that, I was going to play in the NHL. I'm going to be the best hockey player in the world. And uh, then eventually, I was comedian. Oh, I'm going to be the most famous comedian. The way I'm going to get my own TV shows, you know. Friends at the time was really popular. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more popular than Friends. You see that Seinfeld guy? I'm going to do exactly what that guy's doing. And here I am going to Kingston, Ontario for a week at the age of 40. It's not exactly the world domination that I thought it was going to be, but Hey, I'm not dead yet. And I'm still me. I still have, you know, notions of grandeur. I'm not going to change that. So I've accepted it. And, but I'm just trying to find a way to make it work, make it work in my new balanced life, you know? So With Sam, I just want to take away, that's my boy, if I haven't mentioned his name, I just want to take away the anxiety. Yes, that's right. I called it anxiety of thinking you can do whatever you want. I mean, it sounds like a privilege, and it is. It is. But at the same time, that's why a lot of these, you know, advanced countries have such levels of, of depression and, and suicide. It's just, if you can do whatever you want to do, a lot of times life, you get paralyzed by the choice. And they say anyone's susceptible to um, this type of thought process, this cyclical, you know, oh, I can't, I can't decide what I want to do with the amount of choice that we have had since, you know, in, in the Western world since about the 70s. Is, uh, is so overwhelming, and it gets worse and worse by the day. You know, the, with the, the consumerism society we have now, there's so much to decide and so much to pick from. And yes, we are privileged in many ways in the Western world. Uh, at least a lot of us are. Certainly myself. I, wouldn't, I would never hesitate to say I was privileged, because I was. Grew up in a great country with enough, just plenty, thinking i can do whatever i want to do and you just i get you get paralyzed with indecision so i want to save the boy from that shit i don't exactly know how i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do more reading and by reading i mean i'm gonna tell my wife to read it and give me the cole's notes the cliff notes for you people in the states Right, I think that's a good plan. But uh I'm pretty sure he's going to be a musician. And he just loves me. he loves the music and the guitar so much. And uh I'm not and I don't get me wrong, I don't want him to be a musician. I know it sounds like I do. But and it is cool. All right, it is pretty cool. But that's very similar to a stand-up comic's life. You know, yes, girls like you more. So bonus much better, and you generally tour with a band, so you have people around you. It's a much better life now that I think about it. But there are more drugs, more sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and uh, less drugs in comedy. You can become an alcoholic in comedy because you're alone and you're sad. So lots of drinking to do. But um, it, probably more drugs in music. But you're still you're on the road all the time. It's a tiring career. Very few people make a good living. You know, you're schlepping around all, all hours of the morning, getting paid very little money, you know? So unless you really do quite well for yourself, it's a tough life. And even if you do do well, you do do, do do. If you do well, you're, you're on the road all the time. So, you know, Gary Clark Jr., he's got a little baby at home and a supermodel wife, and he probably doesn't get to see them as much as he wants. There's always trade-offs. Sammy, if you're going to be a famous musician what he wants to do with his life, as long as he's pretty happy. I'm not going to say happy with, you know, no qualifiers, because who the fuck is happy? Pretty happy. That's, all, that's what you can shoot for, you know? Don't go for broke. Don't be like Mark Bennett and say, I got to do everything 100%. You can't be happy all the time, unless you're on heroin, and that generally doesn't end well. So just just try to be pretty happy and healthy. Speaking of that, and even though this this podcast is going a little long, but you know what, guys? That's what happens when you write down your notes. Okay? You got lots to talk about. I'm going to do notes again. I think this was a success. Plus, I got to say, I like this parking lot. There's other than the initial part where there was a guy out with his dog. I mean, uh, I've been pretty much left alone out here. And it reminds me of one of my first ever podcasts, which I did also in this uh, parking lot. It was after I had done a corporate show for Christians that I fucking hated. And I ranted and raved about it. I think it's podcast number two or three that I published. Go back and listen to it. And hear an angry Mark Bennett from one year ago. So uh, speaking of healthy, uh, is uh, I did a CPR course, infant CPR. So they covered all CPRs, but they also paid attention to when you have a baby or a toddler, how to do CPR on those people. And um, I went there with I did. Well, I went there on my own, um, but I met my son's nanny there, the 20 year old French student that uh, takes care of Sam for a couple hours a week. So I can go to the fucking gym and try to get my bones back in order Um Oh, yeah, and I had a bone update. I'll tell you next podcast. I'll do one from Kingston. I'll write write some notes. So we go there. uh, We do the course. You know, it's it's pretty good. I am confident that I can save many babies' lives. So many babies. I could probably save three, four babies' lives right in a row before I got tired. And um, when we were leaving the course, uh, I say to Sam's 20-year-old French nanny, uh, do you know where the subway is? Because she's from France. She's like, oh, yes, I know. Uh, and um, she goes, actually, so I will be taking the bus. And uh, I said, oh, okay, well, I'll see you then because i got to go the other way because I'm driving and I parked over there. And my wife said, you didn't drive her home? And I went, drive her home? What, what year do you think we live in? This is 2018 hashtag me too. Hashtag uh, never again. I don't know all the hashtags. I support the movement fully. Ladies, go out there. Get some equality. Get some fucking respect. But if you think this day and age I am going to be alone in a car with a 20 year old girl, I'm going to call her, she's half my age. And I'm going to drive her to her home? No, thank you. And not that I think anything would happen in a million years. I would never do that because I'm a wonderful, wonderful man and a caring father and a devoted husband. Not only would I not do anything, I'm sure also she has no interest in a a liney, you know, veiny, white male getting old. I'm trying to think of ways to describe myself. Veiny is probably not the best way. I'm not particularly veiny. I was just picturing my white skin, my translucent skin, and seeing blue veins through it. I don't know why. That's what came into my head. But, um, ...insinuation is made that someone said or did something inappropriate. I'm just not dealing with that. I'm sorry. That's That's the price we have to pay. Hey, your equality and i will be rude to you that is if you're a young lady and you need a ride home that is and i'm not going to apologize for that because i for all i and i'm not saying you know oh, it serves you right ladies that i'm rude to you now what i'm saying is perhaps it's inappropriate for me to be alone in a car with a 20 year old girl maybe i like if, even if i offered to drive her home. Maybe that makes her uncomfortable. I'm not joking. I think to myself, maybe that's the case. I won't even offer it. And so, yeah, maybe I walk away looking rude, but I also don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah, I'm as far as I know, I'm a good guy. But I try to evaluate everything, you know, with this new paradigm, going, maybe you're one of the people who thinks you're a good guy, but you're not. So I evaluate every single thing I do. So my current Philosophy is to be to be afraid, be very afraid of the ladies and don't, uh, you know, don't offer them rides home. Uh, Did I get everything? I'm looking at my notes now. No, I didn't. Acupuncture. Guys, I did acupuncture. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you about it in Kingston, where you should see me live at the Absolute Comedy if, uh, you know, you're in the area. If if you're not, then who gives a shit? Choose your career wisely. Choose your activities wisely. Don't be on your deathbed saying, I apologize for the naked cruelty. You know, have some fun. Listen to some blues music. I'll see you later. I said shut up. Good night.